When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. been a long time coming but tonight because of what we did on this day in this election at this defining moment change has come to america long time coming but i know i know change has got to come It ended on an emotional November night in Grant Park, Chicago. The most watched election in history, after one of the longest campaigns ever, had been won by a rank outsider. A black man, a man from a single parent family who had been born and raised just about as far as possible it is to get from the corridors of power. Change had now come to America and change was called Barack Obama. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy, tonight is your answer. Americans who sent a message to the world that we have never been just a collection of individuals or a collection of red states and blue states. We are and always will be the United States of America. Over the past year, I have been up and down the United States watching candidates and meeting people while reporting for drive time. I came across many remarkable people during this great exercise in democracy. The very first was in Florida in January, and he was to turn out to be the Republican candidate, a war hero, a great American, John McCain. I first came across him in a small rally in Sun City in Florida. This is the true McCain, generous and very, very funny. Could I just say a word uh, of thanks, because I see a lot of hats here. I just want to say a word of thanks to our veterans And would my veteran friends do me a favor and stand so that we can recognize and tell them thank you so much for your service. Thank you and God bless you for your service to this nation. I would remind you that in my own case, it doesn't take a lot of talent to get shot down. I was able to intercept a surface-to-air missile with my own airplane, which is is no mean feat, as you know. And I want to talk to the veterans for a minute and all of you. All of you, not just our veterans. And I'd like to look you in the eye and tell you there's not going to be any more wars. I'd like to look you in the eye and tell you that this terrible evil called radical Islamic extremism is defeated. I can't do that. I've got to tell you that we're going to be in this struggle for the rest of this century because it's a transcendent evil. And it's the main reason why I'm running for president of the United States. And my friends, there's terrible things that are a result of war, and this one is no less. Just in the last few weeks, Osama bin Laden 
has gotten this message of hate and destruction and recruiting and, and, and motivating these radical Islamic extremists. And I'm looking you in the eye right now, my friends, and I'll tell you right now, if I have to follow him to the gates of hell, I'll get Osama bin Laden. I'll get him, and you can count on it. And you can count on it, because I know how to get him. As time went on, McCain, who was never a great public speaker, acquired a little more polish in his presentation. But his themes remain the same throughout. Patriotism, country first, and reining in public spending. My friends, it makes you laugh and it makes you cry, the spending. In fact, we spent $3 million of your tax dollars to study the DNA of bears in Montana. I don't know if that was a paternity issue or a criminal issue, <laughs> but it was your money. Ronald Reagan, our beloved Ronald Reagan, used to say, and I quote, Congress spends money like a drunken sailor. Only I never knew a sailor drunk or sober with the imagination of Congress. And that's a pretty good line, and I use it all the time. I use it all the time. I'm not making this up when I tell you. Six months ago, I received an email from a guy, and it said, Senator McCain, as a former drunken sailor, I resent being compared to members of Congress. How can you blame the guy? How can you blame the guy? That day in Florida, a few days before the primary, he ended with another joke. I cannot do it without your trust, your confidence, and your vote. I'm so grateful to our guy who stood fifth from the bottom of his class at the Naval Academy. If my old company officer, the Marine captain, were here today, he'd say, in America, anything is possible. Thank you very much, and God bless, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. As it turned out, John McCain won Florida comfortably, and he put page to the campaign of Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York and one time seen as a Republican frontrunner. His victory rally in Miami was jammed with close friends and supporters. My name is Oliver Harper. And you were involved in the campaign, but you're also a friend of John McCain's. Yes, we've been friends. We're from Arizona. We've been friends for 20 years. It's an incredible turnaround for you here. Oh, it's phenomenal. In the days back in September when we, I went through Iowa with him and, and New Hampshire in the early days and the crowds were small, but the enthusiasm generated and snowballed and, and, uh, until you have a culmination, a culmination like tonight. Do you think he can win whoever the Democrats put up against him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, he, he's the only one who can beat them. So you're involved in the campaign? Yes. How do you feel this evening? Uh, you know, for a man, I shouldn't say this, but I'm all tingly. <laughs> this is an extraordinary event. How do you think he did it? Now, I went to see him myself last weekend. He is an extraordinary performer. He's authentic. No, he's not a performer. He's authentic. He's the real deal. And I think people understood that. And I think the more they saw of the other candidates, they didn't think they were. And this is a real man. This is a real deal. He's going to be president of the United States. Elsewhere in the run-up to Super Tuesday, a political phenomenon was getting underway, something the like of which US politics hadn't seen in generations. The previous Sunday, I was in Delaware to see Barack Obama. With less than 24 hours' notice, 25,000 people turned out to see him. Washington Post columnist E.J. Dion was there. Obama has been drawing incredible crowds all over the country. I was talking to friends who have been traveling with him, and he turned out... Uh, 15,000 people or so in Boise, Idaho. Now, this is not a Democratic state. It's one of the most Republican states in the country. 
So there clearly is something magical about this campaign, and we'll find out whether magic translates into votes in a couple of days. But what is it that he's got that's attracting all these people? I think uh, what Obama promises Democrats is an ability to transcend the last uh, 20 years, both the controversies of the Clinton years and what Democrats see as um, you know, a terrible spell under President Bush. What he promises independents and Republicans with his unifying rhetoric is just getting out of a very long divisive period in our politics. And then he has a preacher's gifts. I think in this election, there are two preachers, one formally so, Mike Huckabee, who's a Baptist minister on the Republican side, and the other is Barack Obama. He's also selling a dream, isn't he? Well, he is. It's a, it's a kind of traveling salvation show, uh, and he does it extremely well, and, and he actually seems to believe it himself. And this has been an odd campaign where anyone talking into a microphone is likely to be wrong in about five days, whatever you have on tape there. But, um, you know, it seems very much to be moving in his direction. So the Clinton folks want to get this out of the way as quickly as possible. State Treasurer Jack Martel introduced him. Today, the spirit of that Declaration of Independence that all people are created equal is in our presence. Today, the power of the ideal that any American citizen can rise up and lead this country as president is in our power. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming the next president of the United States of America, Senator Barack Obama. What followed was a truly electrifying speech from Obama, without a note or a teleprompter in sight. This was the old Obama, he of the soaring oratory and uncompromising idealism, and he held everyone there in the palm of his hand. Later, when it looked like he would win the nomination, the Democrats toned him down a little, made him, well, sound a little more middle of the road. But on this day, he was passionate about his message, his message of hope. You know, I talk about hope a lot in my campaign. And I talk about hope out of necessity because if you think about it, the odds of me standing here before you are pretty slim. You know, I wasn't born into money. I wasn't born into fame or fortune. I was born to a teenage mom. My dad left me when I was two years old. I was raised by a single mother and my grandparents. And they didn't have a lot, but they gave me love they gave me an education, and they gave me hope. So, yeah, you know, it's true, I talk about hope a lot. I've, I've got hope on my signs. I, I gave this speech at the Boston Convention about hope. And I wrote a book called The Audacity of Hope. But I notice lately, we've been seeing some criticisms where Senator Clinton and others say, oh, he talks about hope so much. He's so naive. He's a talker, not a doer. He's a hope monger. I know how hard change is. But I also know this. That nothing worthwhile in this country has ever happened. Except somebody somewhere was willing to hope.
That is how this nation was founded. A group of patriots like Mr. Rodney there, declaring independence, standing up to the mighty British Empire. Nobody gave them a chance. That's how the slaves and abolitionists resisted a wicked system. And how a new president charted a course to ensure this nation would not remain half slave and half free. That's how the greatest generation, my grandfather fighting in Patton's army, my grandmother staying behind with a baby, working on a bomber assembly line, how that generation defeated fascism and Hitler and lifted itself up out of a Great Depression. That's how pioneers traveled west. That's how immigrants came from distant shores. That's how women won the right to vote. That's how workers won the right to organize. That's how young people traveled south and they marched and they sat in and they suffered fire hoses and attack dogs and some went to jail and some died for freedom's cause. That's what hope is. That is what hope is. Imagining and then fighting for, then struggling for what did not seem possible before. And that is the moment that we are in right now. Right here in Delaware and all across the country. There is a point in time in the life of every generation where that spirit of hope has to come through, where we shed the fear and the doubt and the cynicism and all of us together rise up and roll up our sleeves. This is our moment. This is our time. And if you will stand with me on Tuesday, if you vote for me on Tuesday, if you're not willing to accept what the cynics tell you you have to accept, but instead are willing to reach for what is possible and give the next generation the same chance as somebody gave us. If you believe we have to keep the dream alive for those who still hunger for justice and still thirst for opportunity, then I promise you this, we will not just win Delaware. We will not just win on Tuesday. We will not just win this nomination. We will not just win the general election, but you and I together, we will change this country and we will transform the world. Thank you, Delaware. I love you. Thank you. Among the people who heard him on that day, emotions were running high. Well, I'm, see, I'm a 35-year-old white female from Baltimore, Maryland. I live in the inner city. I, um, I think that um, Obama represents a change in this country. Um, he's getting the youth out to vote. He is, um, it might be a bit much to say that he's like our Kennedy, but I have seen such enthusiasm for his... Um, you're getting all emotional. Yeah, I am. I'm really getting emotional. I think the thing is, is that I wouldn't mind if Hillary was in office. He has got something that goes beyond that. He goes uh, above and beyond. He asks us to dig deep into ourselves. And I've never been a part of such a political campaign, and it's a, it's, it's just been an absolute thrill. We drove all the way from Baltimore to be part of this. He is just his. The way
way he speaks, he is so charismatic. Um, he is inspiring the young. He is just awesome. I just love him. Um, I think he's going to make a great president. Just a month earlier, Hillary Clinton had been a runaway favourite, and the prediction was that on Super Tuesday she would bury all her opponents. But bad decisions, campaign infighting and being outmaneuvered by Obama's people instead had her fighting for survival on the day. Her campaign just didn't have the electricity or energy that surrounded Obama and she just couldn't match him on the podium. On most occasions she was reduced to reading out her speech, never a good idea, and after Obama it all sounded just a little bit flat. This is Hillary in New York claiming victory on the Tuesday night. Tonight we are hearing the voices of people across America, people of all ages, of all colors, all faiths, and all walks of life. People on the day shift, the night shift, the late shift with the crying baby. Moms and dads who want a better world for our children. Young people who deserve a world of opportunity. All those who aren't in the headlines but have always written America's story. After after seven years of a president who listens only to the special interests, you're ready for a president who brings your voice, your values, and your dreams to your White House. You voted not just to make history, but to remake America. Of course, it wasn't a victory. It was at best a draw, and it later turned into a defeat. The most remarkable woman politician of her generation had lost to an outsider with a message of hope. And by the time I arrived at the Democratic Convention in August, Obama was the favorite to be president. A U.S. party convention has lots of politics, of course, but there's also the razzmatazz. Tons of it. Every day begins with the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem. Everything goes like clockwork and nothing, nothing is left to chance. Delegates and guests, please welcome Kobe Langley to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the national anthem sung by the Rocky Mountains Children's Choir. Well, outside, it's a different story. Vendors, hawkers, McCain supporters and protesters on just about every issue under the sun are at the police barriers in their thousands. Memorabilia of the 2008 Democratic Convention is at the top of everyone's list. And if you want a logo on it, they've got it. Well, we're selling uh, mostly the host committee stuff, Denver, uh, official Denver uh, National Committee merchandise. We got donkeys. We have donkeys, we have refrigerator magnets, we have shot glasses. You know, to take yourself down, we got coffee to bring you back up. We got beer mugs, travel mugs, water bottles. We got donkeys, hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. What's selling well? 
Uh, pretty much the uh, Obama Biden shirt is selling very well today. My fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. My hats are selling very well at ten dollars. And buttons. Everybody loves buttons. We're selling Obama action figures. It's a, it's about six inch high. It's a figure, and he moves his arms, and he swivels his hips, and he moves his head from side to side, and he has the presidential point. He's pointing his left hand at you. How's business going? It's going really well. Yeah, How much are they? They're $15. People are really loving him. At the convention itself, official greeters meet the delegates at the gates. Hi, guys. Welcome. Enjoy your evening. How are we doing today? How are you guys doing tonight? Woo, second night. Halfway through after tonight. You're here at the entrance to the convention. What's your job? To welcome the delegates and the media into the Pepsi Center to make them feel important. I mean, we got to make everybody feel welcome, and it's a festive occasion. We we're going to elect the next president. I'm from Los Angeles, so I took a week's vacation and came out here to support the Democratic Party. Among the many protesters, I found the singing Iraq War veterans. This man had written a protest song about the abuses in Abu Ghraib prison. Well, Mr. Interrogator, I got nothing left to say. So you can just take me back to my cage. I also believe in uh, full reparations for the Iraqi civilians that have been affected by this war and uh, full reparations to the veterans who have been destroyed by it. What kind of reaction have you been getting from people at the conference here? Well, not much of one at all. It doesn't seem, seem to seem like people care. They don't really seem to notice veterans or care about our issues. But we're used to that, so uh, we're just going to keep charging on and doing what we do to get our benefits for ourselves. And There were supporters there as well, including this small but unusual group. Rednecks for Obama. And what does that mean? That means that me and Tony Viesman is uh, showing our support for uh, Barack Obama. Well, there's a lot of rednecks that, uh, throughout the country, I think, that are afraid to vote for him. But I'm trying to convince people they don't have to be afraid of him because uh, we had Bill Clinton for our president for about eight years, and uh, I don't know of anybody that lost their guns. I don't know of anybody that lost their hunting rights, anything like that, you know. Uh, How would you define a redneck to me? What does it mean? Well, I don't know. For me, uh, I've... Uh, I've been a farmer. I've raised hogs. I've raised cattle. I've raised chickens. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to eat what I catch. I've, I eat rabbits. I eat squirrels. Uh, I've got guns. Uh, I think if that don't qualify me to be a redneck, I don't know what the hell does. The reason I want to vote for Obama is because I want to see it get better. We're, it's, it's going the wrong way. It's going the, it's going the opposite ways we need it to go. But of all the people I met in the zoo surrounding the convention, this next man was my favourite. Dressed as Uncle Sam, he was selling just one product, a Hillary Clinton pen. Get your Hillary laughing pens, the only Hillary Clinton souvenirs at the 2008 Democratic Convention. It actually has Hillary's laugh digitally reproduced. Comes with a one-year warranty. By getting a warranty with your, your presidential candidate. I may be bored with Obama, but I certainly love these pens. Get your Hillary laughing pin here. Photographs, $2. Pins, $10. Comes with a one-year warranty. Try getting a warranty with your presidential candidate. 
Inside the convention centre, it was just one star turn after another. Ladies and gentlemen, Senator Edward M. Kennedy! Celebrity endorsements were being thrown around like confetti, but the biggest cheer of the week went to Senator Edward Kennedy. His intervention early on in the campaign in favour of Obama came as a major surprise and was a huge boost. He's seriously in with cancer at the moment and hadn't been expected to come to Denver. Thank you. Thank you. My fellow Democrats, my fellow Americans, I have come here tonight to stand with you, to change America, to restore its future, to rise to our best ideals, and to elect Barack Obama President of the United States. And I pledge to you, I pledge to you that I will be there next January on the floor of the United States Senate when we begin the great... Barack Obama will close the book on the old politics of race, gender, and group against group, and straight against gay. And yes, we are all Americans. This is what we do. We reach the moon. We scale the heights. I know it. I've seen it. I've lived it. And we can do it again. There is a new wave of change all around us. And if we set our compass true, we will reach our destination. Not merely victory for our party, but renewal for our nation. And this November, the torch will be passed again to a new generation of Americans. So with Barack Obama, and for you, and for me, our country will be committed to his cause. The work begins anew, the hope rises again, and the dream lives on. Other star turns were by Michelle Obama and especially by Hillary. She campaigned long and hard for Obama once the nomination had been won. But elsewhere, the perspective on Obama was different. US elections are characterized by negative campaigning and polarized debate. Writing Talk Radio has a huge audience throughout the country and all the presenters loathed Obama. Sean Hannity has an audience of millions every day. I met him as preparations were being made for Obama's acceptance speech at Denver's Invesco Field. Hannity mockingly refers to Obama as the Messiah. Ah, the anointed one, yes. The uh, Well, I don't think this, this setup that they have, these, you know, the Greek temple that they're building for him in Invesco Field, 
is anything other than pretty hilarious. You know, I'm call- I was calling him on the radio today, um, uh, Barack Apollo Obama. Uh, you know, the man who's who's there. Look, he gives a good speech, but the speech has now become repetitive. You know, he, you can only say change, change so many times and have a bunch of sort of, you know, glassy-eyed uh, supporters, you know, regurgitating the record. I don't think he just he just doesn't seem ready for prime time. Michelle Obama doesn't impress me. I think... Michelle Obama in the past has said America is a downright mean country. Well, I look at America, you know, we're four or five percent of the world's population. But we as Americans have been bearing the cost, the burden, the blood, the sweat, the tears and the financial cost of keeping the other 96 or 95 percent of the world free. America has been standing up for freedom and liberty. You know, we beat back Nazism and fascism and imperial Japan and totalitarianism and communism. And now it's America standing alone, being criticized, you know, beating back the forces of terrorism. The McCain and the Republican campaign, it seems to be very, very negative. The McCain campaign? Yeah, in, 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 as regards the ads they're running on TV, they're attack, attack, attack. I don't think it's attack at all. I mean, I think, you know, using Hillary Clinton... In her own words, saying that Barack's not ready to be president, or his VP choice, Joe Biden, saying that the presidency doesn't lend itself to on-the-job training and talking points on foreign policy doesn't get you there. I think that's all great stuff. Why wouldn't you use it? That's that's you know, that's fair game in American politics. And you think the week before the Republican convention that McCain is actually going to do it? I, no, I think McCain is. If he makes a good VP choice, I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to run a good campaign. It's going to be one of these quintessentially American elections where it's left versus right. It's going to be, you know, tax cuts, tax increases, redistribution of the wealth. Government is the answer to all our problems or more of a belief in the individual and freedom and capitalism and liberty. Uh, A belief that America's got to be the leader. Somebody's got to stand up to this madness, this evil you know, Islamic extremist madness. Those that think that they're killing in the name of God, think that God is going to reward them in heaven with 72 virgins. You know what? That evil needs to be confronted. The acceptance speech at the Invesco Field football stadium was an extraordinary and emotional event. It ended the Democratic Convention, and in it, Obama summed up what he said was the fundamental difference between the political parties in the U.S., It is essentially the debate at the heart of U.S. politics, a debate between the individualism of the Republicans and a democratic philosophy that I am my brother's keeper. It's not because John McCain doesn't care. It's because John McCain doesn't get it. For over two decades, for over two decades, he subscribed to that old discredited Republican philosophy. Give more and more to those with the most and hope that prosperity trickles down to everyone else. In Washington, they call this the ownership society. But what it really means is that you're on your own. Out of work, tough luck, you're on your own. No health care, the market will fix it, you're on your own. Born into poverty, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Even if you don't have boots, you are on your own. Well, it's time for them to own their failure. It's time for us 
to change America. And that's why I'm running for President of the United States. You see, you see, we Democrats have a very different measure of what constitutes progress in this country. Our government should work for us, not against us. That's the promise of America. The idea that we are responsible for ourselves, but that we also rise or fall as one nation. The fundamental belief that I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. That's the promise we need to keep. That's the change we need right now. So... The following week in St. Paul, the star turn was a woman. A woman who the previous week had hardly been heard of outside of her native Alaska. But Sarah Palin became a central and controversial figure in the campaign. While McCain stayed aloof from the negative campaigning, Sarah Palin hit hardest at the Democrats and at Obama personally. Now, he had been hiding behind his real agenda of redistributing your hard-earned money. He says that he's for a tax credit, which is when government takes more of your money and gives it away to someone else according to a politician's priorities. Now, that's as opposed to John McCain, who is for a real tax cut, which means when government takes less of your earnings in the first place. And I've really got to hand it to Joe the Plumber there in Toledo, Ohio. Somehow, Joe got our opponent to finally state his intentions, our opponent in plain language, and Senator Obama now saying that he wants to spread the wealth. And what that means, what that means is government taking more of your money and money from our small businesses and then doling it out however the politician sees fit and Barack Obama calls that spreading the wealth and Joe Biden calls higher taxes he calls that patriotic but but to Joe the plumber Joe said it sounded to him like socialism time to experiment with that and a lot of folks around the country they identify with Joe we see posters that say Doug the barber and Cindy the citizen I like the one up here Joe the chocolate maker or the one I saw the other night said I am Joe mama doesn't sound like too many of you are supporting Barack the wealth spreader. Not on November 4th. And that 
is because you understand, you understand that his plan to redistribute wealth will ultimately punish hard work and it discourages productivity. And I tell you, it's going to stifle the entrepreneurial spirit that made this the greatest country on earth. Her conservatism endeared her to the Republican heartland. Well, she's a conservative, and so am I. What does that mean? Well, it means she believes in, you know, uh, the basic values of build America. Uh, low taxes, personal responsibility, entrepreneurs, you know, everyone uh, pulling their own weight. Do you think she's been a benefit to John McCain? Some people say not. I think she is. I think she uh, really energized the base. Uh, there was a lot of conservatives who were pretty disheartened in the election, and uh, I believe that she really uh, brought back the Reagan conservatives that were sitting back. I'm one of them. We do. We think that regardless of whether she's a man or a woman, she was an excellent choice. She's been an excellent governor, extremely competent, bold, reforming. We think she's a terrific candidate. She's had some difficulties on this latest thing about her daughter. Yes, um, we feel that this is um, actually makes a very strong pro-life statement that this family supports children and life. The Palin family, when they learned they were having a Down syndrome child, welcomed that baby and looked forward to that baby's arrival. And now we have another baby, and that baby's having life, and those parents are going to marry, and they're going to do the right thing. We think that's all pretty good stuff. The start of the Republican convention was delayed by a hurricane, and despite the unveiling of Sarah Palin, it never achieved the highs of the Democrats. You could feel it on the streets. The excitement just wasn't there. There were protesters aplenty, and I met this one man who was out selling T-shirts. He told me how his business was going. Terrible. Why? They're not buying. They're not buying nothing. Democrats, they bought. We was up in Denver. They bought everything we had. Yeah, and in comparison to Denver, there are very few people selling T-shirts, buttons, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, because they, people found out that um, people up here ain't going to buy it. They're not going to buy this stuff, John McCain. I think this is one of um, Obama's states here. Yeah. You yourself are an African-American. Will you be voting for McCain? No, sir. No, sir. I'm just, I, it's, it's a living for me, and I do merchandise, and that's why I'm selling it, and only because of merchandise. I'm stuck with it. Obama stuff, we sold out. We sold 880 dozen in three days. And it was worth a living. You can't make a living off McCain stuff. People are not buying it. Away from the negativity, the ridicule and the controversies surrounding Sarah Palin, the old soldier John McCain kept fighting. I'm an American and I choose to fight. Don't give up hope. Be strong. Have courage and fight. Fight for a new direction for our country. Fight for what's right for America. Fight to clean up the mess of corruption, infighting, and selfishness in America. Fight to get our economy out of the ditch and back in the lead. Fight for the ideals and character of a free people. Fight for our children's future. Fight for justice and opportunity for all. Stand up to defend our country from its enemies. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up and fight. America is worth fighting for. Nothing is inevitable here. We never give up. We never quit. We make history. We don't hide from history. Now let's go win this election and get this country moving again. Thank you and God bless you. 
The Republicans put as much distance between McCain and George Bush as they possibly could. The president didn't even attend the party convention, but the McCain campaign just couldn't match the momentum behind Obama. On a superficial level, Obama had all the stars. The Clintons worked long and hard for him, Hollywood stars were out for him by the dozen, and a few days before the election, I was in Cleveland, Ohio, when Bruce Springsteen appeared on stage with him. He spoke, as Obama often does, about the American dream. I spent most of my life as a musician, measuring the distance in my music between the American dream and the American reality. But I look around today and for many Americans who are losing their jobs or their homes or seeing their retirement funds disappear, who don't have health care, who've been abandoned in our inner cities, the distance between that dream and that reality has grown greater and more painful than ever. And I believe that Senator Obama has taken the measure of that distance in his own life and in his own work. And I believe that he understands in his heart the cost of that distance in blood and in suffering in the lives of everyday Americans. I believe as president, he'll work to bring that promise back to life and into the lives of so many of our fellow Americans who've justifiably lost faith in its meaning. Now in my job, I travel around the world and I occasionally play to big stadiums or crowds like this, just like Senator Obama does. And I continue to find out that wherever I go, America remains a repository for people's hopes, their desires. It remains, it remains a house of dreams. And a thousand George Bushes and a thousand Dick Cheneys will never be able to tear that house down. So I don't know about you, but I know I want my country back. I want my dream back. I want my America back. Now is the time to stand with Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Roll up our sleeves and come on up for the rising. Can't see nothing in front of me. On the night of November 4th, 200,000 people were in Grant Park, Chicago to see Obama elected. It had been an extraordinary and historic election, when millions of people voted one way or the other for their vision of what their country should be. You would think that someone like Obama would never be elected in Ireland. Maybe we're just too cynical to believe that things can really change. Maybe we don't want them to. I might be wrong, somebody like him could win by a landslide, but if so, it would be history in the making. That night in Chicago, Barack Obama was in no doubt at all about the historic nature of what had happened. With half the crowd in tears, he spoke about a 106-year-old African-American he knew of, and Nixon Cooper. She was born just a generation past slavery, a time when there were no cars on the road or planes in the sky. When someone like her couldn't vote for two reasons, because she was a woman and because of the color of her skin. And tonight, I think about all that she's seen throughout her century in America. The heartache and the hope, the struggle and the progress. The times we were told that we can't. And the people who pressed on with that American creed, yes we can. 
At a time when women's voices were silenced and their hopes dismissed, she lived to see them stand up and speak out and reach for the ballot. Yes, we can. When there was despair in the Dust Bowl and depression across the land, she saw a nation conquer fear itself with a new deal, new jobs, a new sense of common purpose. Yes, we can. When the bombs fell on our harbor and tyranny threatened the world, she was there to witness a generation rise to greatness and a democracy was saved. Yes, we can. She was there for the buses in Montgomery, the hoses in Birmingham, a bridge in Selma, and a preacher from Atlanta who told the people that we shall overcome. Yes, we can. A man touched down on the moon. A wall came down in Berlin. A world was connected by our own science and imagination. And this year, in this election, she touched her finger to a screen and cast her vote. Because after 106 years in America, through the best of times and the darkest of hours, she knows how America can change. Yes, we can. This is our moment. This is our time to put our people back to work and open doors of opportunity for our kids, to restore prosperity and promote the cause of peace, to reclaim the American dream and reaffirm that fundamental truth that out of many we are one, that while we breathe we hope, and where we are met with cynicism and doubt and those who tell us that we can't, we will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Thank you. God bless you. And may God bless the United States of America. I spoke to many people that night about what the election meant. Now, beforehand, African Americans were reluctant to talk about the race issue. But on the night, these women remember the civil rights days and what Obama represented. In two words, that was change and hope. Oh, my God. I'm happy. I'm very, very happy. And being a witness and a part of this historic moment, I'm happy. There are a lot of people in tears around here. Oh, yes. But these are tears of joy, though. Tears of joy. Tears of joy. Tears of joy. Happiness. It's just, it's, just, it's just magnificent. You know, I, I just believe when you look at all uh, the way he came out of nowhere and came right on through, through it all, and he fought and he did it decently. He didn't have to knock anybody down. So, I mean, this just says so much about our country and how they could accept, you know, a black man. What does it say for African Americans? It says we're proud, proud, proud. We are proud people tonight. You know, there's a song we used to sing. I know there's a change going to come, and it's here. So we're happy. We're happy. I am overwhelmed and overjoyed. I think it's been a long time coming. I think he's the man for the job. This country has changed so much now. Is the race issue over? I don't think the race issue is over, but I think that by making Barack Obama becoming president, I think that gives us hope and it allows us to tell our children that you can be president and it can be true. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. It was so. It was sung by, by immigrants, immigrants as they struck out on the distant shore. Pioneers oh, yeah. pushed westward against an unforgiving wilderness. Oh, yes, we can. Yes, we 
weekend, it was a call of workers who organized women who reached for the ballots. And the president who chose the moon as a new frontier. And a king who took us to the mountaintop and pointed the way to the promised land. Yes, yes, we can. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.